0: Morning everybody, how are you?
1: Let me ask again, how are we? You're fine, good. Not that you'd tell me if you weren't. Um, I was praying this morning before I came and I, I just what I started to pray was, God, would you would you rain on us? You know, the prophecy has been about the Holy Spirit coming upon us as rain. And I started to pray, God, would you rain on us every meeting? Would you rain on us this morning? And there's just a real sense of the rain of God in this place. I, I just sense God here. Uh, Andy, thanks so much for the way you led us. That's just huh, wonderful. And, uh, and the rest of the, the band and, and singers, just great. And I, I, I love, absolutely love being in the presence of God. And I, I just felt I needed to say something. You need to know this. I love Jesus. It's as simple as that. What, what is it that keeps me going? What is it that keeps me pressing on when really I'm not in the mood? Do you ever have those days? Or, or when I'm quite fed up being a church leader? I have those days too. What keeps me going? I love Jesus. There's no other answer. There's, no, there's nothing else that will ever keep us going. There's nothing else that will ever sustain us. It's not even the style of worship or the the activities of church or what we do or what we don't do. It's not even how great your big group is, although all those, those things have a place. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. He's the reason. He's the reason we're here this morning. There's no other reason. I hope you haven't just done a religious thing. Oh, it's church this morning. I've got to go. I mean, it's nice to see you. But I don't come to church because it's Sunday. I don't come to church because it's the thing to do. I come because I want to be where he is and I want to be where his people are. And I want us to enjoy him together. That's what keeps me going. Him. It's Jesus. And I'll talk more about that as I, as I go on. But I just say, uh, thank you, Lord. I'm just going to pray for us. Lord... You've, you've reigned upon us this morning by your spirit. Your presence is here, tangibly so. Would you keep reigning now as I unpack your word? Would you keep reigning? I pray this word will come and burn in our hearts. And it won't be just, that was a good preach, Paul. I pray, Lord, it will be something from heaven that comes like rain and changes us and transforms us and unlocks us for your glory. <coughs> really, for your glory, Lord Jesus. Amen. Wow. If you'd like to turn to Colossians chapter 1, between now and just after Easter, we'll be here, we'll be on on Sunday mornings, we'll be looking, working our way through Colossians. Uh, Raj, did a a great introduction last week, cracking. Not an easy preach to do, that one, but I thought it was wonderful. And uh, from now on, it's easier because we have verses to work through, whereas it was an overview. So this week I'm going to uh, look at verses 3 to 8. I'm going to read from verse 1 to 8. It'll be on the screen as well. Paul, that's the apostle Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy our brother to the holy and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae. Grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints, the faith and love that spring from the hope that is stored up in heaven for you and that you have already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. All over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in all its truth. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. I have three points. Thankfulness, a good reputation, and the fruit-bearing gospel. And... um, Unashamedly, Nick Raj's idea last week. And if you go on to the the next one, um, he made the first point red. I thought it was rather good. But I give him all the glory. Is that all right? Was it original, Raj? Um, Who knows? Yes. Oh well, we give him a round of applause for that one. Okay. (laughs) Sorry. Through much of the New Testament, we, we come across the issue of being thankful over and over again. It's right here at the beginning of these few verses. And guess what? Next week, when we deal with verses 9 to 14, we'll come across it again. Living in a society that is full of bad news, that is prone to grumble and complain, we do well to pay attention to this issue of being thankful. In fact, let me pose you a question for you to think about rather than answer right now. You can discuss it in your big groups if you like. Are you known to your friends and family as a thankful person or a grumbling, complaining person, a positive person or a negative person? Ooh, how many heads went down at that point? Are you known by your friends and family as a thankful person, always seeing the positive, always being so appreciative or, do you always find the negative, grumbling, complaining, well, that's not very good. that could be better. A positive or negative person. I need to tell you that I used to be a negative person. I used to always be able to find the negative. I think I've told you that before, but God spoke to me about it and I taught myself to become thankful. doesn't mean I never feel a bit grumbly on the inside, but I taught myself to be thankful, to look for the good. To look for the good. It's important as the people of God. The, the Apostle Paul he's never been to Colossae but he heard about this young church through one of his team. Through this guy called Epaphras who probably planted it. And Paul's continued response to the news there's a church in Colossae was one of thankfulness. He was hearing positive things about these believers. He writes we always thank God when we pray for you. There's a clue there about prayer you know. How's your prayer life? <clears throat> wow, that good. Can't wait to get before God. When you pray, are you always thankful first? Do you come before God and say, God, thank you. Thank you, I'm saved. Thank you that I know you. Thank you that you fill me with your Holy Spirit. Thank you. Thank you that you've made me part of Jubilee nice to see you Jeff by the way, good to see you welcome, give our, give our thanks to um, uh, sorry, not our blessing to the church in, in Belfast that's the place to start in prayer being thankful, thank you Lord the Apostle Paul managed that even in prison, in fact he's writing to Colossae from prison he doesn't start, woe is me it's tough here But we'll praise God anyway. He's honest about how things are if you read through all his letters. But what he's saying is this. I praise God that the gospel is going forth. I thank God for this new church. I thank God in my prayers. And every time we come to pray, we thank God for you. Is that how we pray? Got a prayer meeting again, first Sunday of February. We're coming together. There was about 70 of us last time. Next time, make the date. The first Sunday evening of February. As many as possible come. And you know what we'll do? We'll thank God. That's what we do. We thank God. I thank God that you're here. I thank God that every one of you are saved. Well, most of you. Maybe some of you are not saved yet. But you know what? I thank God you're here because God's on your case. He's drawing you to himself with his love and grace. I thank God for that. I thank God that I don't build the church Jesus does. I'm always relieved by that. (laughs) God is at work amongst us. God is at work all over the world building his church. I thank God for that. It's difficult for us to appreciate, I think, Just how the news of this new church would bless Paul. We we live in an environment of church, don't we, with many different flavors and styles. And if we don't like one flavor, we just go to the next one. bit like Swapping, you know, I don't like that ice lolly, but I'll have this one. Oh, I'll change. I'll go to this church. I'll go to that church. I'm not saying it's never right to change churches. I don't mean that. But what we have is a selection on a tray. bit like a box of chocolates. And somebody moves into an area, a city or a town, and they'll go, let's sample the churches in the town and find the one we like, the one that meets my need. The one. And, and I understand, that's the society we've grown up in. You need to understand, there's never been a church in Colossae before. You don't get any of that stuff in Scripture. There wasn't another one. This church was a new thing in that society. Colossae had probably never seen or heard of one before. This light was coming into the darkness. There was hope coming to this city. Hope coming to the hopeless. The city of God was invading the city of Colossae. The dwelling place of God was coming to this city. That's why Paul was saying thank you. Say, God, isn't it great? Look what you're doing. You're building your church and there's just a new one planted here. City of God's come. We're going to transform society. Why? Because this is the dwelling place of God. The dwelling place of God on the earth has come to a town. Do you think that's good to be thankful for? It's great. You know, I'm thrilled. It's difficult these days because we we planted Hartlepool before my time in Hull and I I praise God for that. And you know what? Let's be thankful for that. Let's support that. Let's pray for that. Praise God for those guys. But it's a bit different because there's other churches in Hartlepool and there's other churches in Hull and there's other churches of different flavours and it's all got a bit muddy. But we need to understand the church is the hope of the world because the church is the dwelling place of God. And I'm not so worried about the flavor or the style. The issue is this. Does God live there? Is Jesus exalted there? Because if God lives there, that's what we should be thankful for. Paul says we thank God when we pray. Because we've heard of your faith. In Christ Jesus and the love you have for all the saints. brings me to my second point: a good reputation. All the reports Paul was getting was that this church was growing in their faith in Christ Jesus, and growing in their love for one another. It was getting a reputation. Did all churches always develop a reputation? You'd be amazed some of the conversations I have with church leaders. Well, they're this and they're that, and this is the oh, that's this. Do, do you ever? I, I guarantee you could go into to, to, to different Christian communities, and, and there's different reputations about the church. You need to know. Last Tuesday morning, four of us were going to meet for prayer at St Barnabas. Eight of us turned up, and guess what? Doing it again this week. Hallelujah. It was hard scraping the ice off the car last Tuesday morning, I, I confess. Not that 8 o'clock in the morning's early start, but I assure you, it seemed early to me. <laughs> and it was cold. But I was thrilled. Can we do it next week was the cry. Yeah. I love it when church leaders get together. And you know what? We don't get together to plan a strategy or a plan. We get together to love Jesus. We get together to pray for one another. We get together to be thankful for the church. That's what we're about. And different churches around this area have a reputation. High church, Lord church, loving church, caring church, action church, sleepy church, dead church. You name it. We've all got reputation. Yes? It's how it is. If you read Revelation 3... You find that the church in Laodicea had a reputation of being lukewarm, a bit average. Imagine who wants to be part of a church that's a bit average? What's your church like? Well, it's a bit average. God. A bit weak on passion and commitment. We like to get together, we like to do some social things, but don't ask too much of us. A bit self satisfied, a bit self reliant. Makes God sick. That's what Revelation 3 says. Also in Revelation 3, just before that, we talked about the church in Sardis. It had a reputation for being alive. Perhaps that reputation had come from their deeds and their actions. Maybe they were very much involved in serving the community. I don't know. But what was God's valuation of that church? You have a reputation for being alive but you're dead. Imagine. Imagine a church that's vibrant and dynamic, has a reputation for being alive, and yet God says of that church, you are dead. That frighten me. It scares me to death. It frightens me to death. You see, we live in a society that's really motivated and attracted by all the things we do. We organize this and we organize that. We put this on, we put that on. We do stuff. And we measure church by how many people are in church on Sunday, how dynamic different parts of it are, how many people come to our big groups and little groups and 101 other things. And I'm not not decrying any of that, but you can do all of that. You can be a church of 10,000, and yet God's judgment on that church can be, you're dead. find that as a leader desperately challenging. Desperately challenging. What is clear about this church in, in Sardis is that it's full of compromise with the world. Probably worldly in lifestyle. For in verse 4 of Revelation 3 it says, Yet you have a few people in Sardis who have not sold their clothes. They will walk with me dressed in white for they are worthy. Wow. We want God's reputation of us, not the world's. I find it interesting that in our reading about the church in Colossae, we're not told how many people were getting saved. We're not told how big the church was. We are told about their faith in Jesus and their love for one another. That's what the Apostle Paul was thankful for. I wonder what reputation Jubilee has. I guess it depends on who you ask. I could go around the room, but I won't. Some of you would say, wonderful. Some would say, it's all right. Some would say, Not as good as the one up the road. Some would say, it'd be better if, and so on, and so on, and so on. But some would say, I came to Jubilee and met Jesus, and my life was transformed. I came to Jubilee and was taught about Jesus and taught in the Word, and I grew in God, and I became a man or woman of God. And I'm so grateful. Some would say, I'm part of a community in Jubilee. I belong there. I can serve there. And I can play my part in inviting other people to come and meet Jesus for themselves. Some would say. I don't know what people think when they look in. And I don't know what people think when they are in, usually, unless people tell me. Usually they tell me when it's negative. But you know what? I'm not bothered about any of that. The only reputation that counts, as far as I'm concerned, is the reputation we have in God's eyes. It's the only reputation that matters. About 20 years ago, I felt to write down my vision of any church I would lead and I'm not sure if I've shared this with you before. If I have, please forgive me, it bears repeating. But but I, as I was preparing, I hadn't even thought of putting this in. I was preparing and suddenly it was like, bang, you need to dig that out. And I had to go looking for it. Fuck, Lord, where is it? Where is it? Searching on the computer, going through files. Where is it? And I was just about to give up and I said, God, if you really want me to put this in, let me find it. And instantly, bing, it popped up on the screen. It was like, oh, I better do it then. <laughs> and you need to know, this is what makes me tick. This is what my leadership's about. And, and whether it like it or love it or hate it, 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 it I don't apologise for it, because this is, this is what I see church to be. I have a vision of a church whose sole preoccupation is Jesus and his will. I see a church that's so dependent on the Holy Spirit that no one can stand against it and nothing it does will work without him. I see a church where Jesus is evidently manifest in every gathering and people of all ages and from all uh, nations are regularly being saved and added. I see a church whose people are established in grace, rooted in grace, treated with grace, discipled in grace, and are growing and maturing in grace. I see a church where everyone feels they belong and knows they are loved and valued. And I see a church that so trains and equips its people that the whole membership are released to be who they are in Christ and so become salt and light in their homes, places of work and communities. And I see a church that becomes a center of revival and renewal in our nation. That's what I want Jubilee to be. Are we there yet? No. Partway there though. What am I working for? I'm working for that. I haven't even shared this with the elders. I said to to Raj, I came up to it at the beginning just as we started to worship. I said, I'm going to share something this morning. I've not even shared it with you. Feel free to disagree. But he hasn't shouted me down yet. (laughs) Notice none of that is about numbers. How big, how small. It's not about structure. It's about life. Because that's what we see. It's what we see the Apostle Paul talking about over and over and over again. I thank God because of the life there is here. Thank God because of the faith you have. I want to work my socks off to make everything I've just shared the reputation Jubilee has. In God's heart. In God's eyes though. In God's eyes. Notice, as I say, it's not about numbers or projects, although there is a place for that. I'm not saying we shouldn't count numbers. I'm not saying we shouldn't do projects. But what matters most is that we grow in our faith in Jesus and we grow in our love for one another. That's repeated over and over again. And it's worth me pointing out that loving one another is completely dependent on our faith in Jesus. Usually I find find when people are struggling relationally, I say, how are you getting on with God? Oh, oh, don't ask me that. Oh, we need to get right with God. If you're struggling with somebody, pray with them. Just the two of you. Nothing like getting before God to heal stuff. Anybody, Anybody been there? You know, when you pray together, it's very difficult to hold things against people you start to feel the compassion of Christ. You start to feel the love of God. You think, God, this person really irritates the life out of me, but somehow I'm loving them. What's that about? That's that's faith. Do do you you know what I'm talking about? God, they irritate me. I do love them. That's the love of God shed abroad in our hearts. That's faith at work. People say, oh, we're not very loving church. Not particularly talking about jubilee now. We're not very loving, or I don't feel cared for. I don't. You know what? Has your faith? We don't solve the problems to human need by caring for one another more. We solve the problem to our hum- of our human need by getting more faith, and more faith produces more care and more love and more action. Do you understand? We we need Jesus. You need Jesus. I'm not the answer. I might lead Jubilee and people look at me and say, oh, I'm trusting my leader. Well, good for you. I trust Jesus. I hope you can trust me. But the issue is this. I point you to him who is unchangeable. I point you to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I point you to the one who satisfies the human heart. I point you to the one who in the crisis, crises of life says to you, my grace is sufficient for you. Isn't that great? Isn't it good to know that when you're sitting at home feeling depressed, demotivated, I understand all of those things. I do. Particularly in the wintertime. Praise God, it's sunny today. I understand the feelings of life. I understand the emotions of life. But I promise you, in the midst of those, God says, Jesus says to every single child of God, everyone who's put their faith in him, my grace is for you and it is sufficient. Through the tragedies, through the difficulties, through the pain, through the difficulties on the employment, through the difficulties at home, the grace of Jesus is what you need. The, The love of God for you, given to you through Christ, is shed abroad in your heart. That's what... That's what gives you life. Full of God. Oh, fill me with your spirit. What do I mean when I say fill me with his Holy Spirit? The Spirit of Christ dwells. Jesus is love. I'm filled with the love of God. Hallelujah. And so through tears and through pain and through suffering, we see the the Apostle Paul and others, they can say, I give thanks. I give thanks to Jesus. My faith is in him and he is sufficient for me. Isn't that good? I, I'm thrilled by Jesus. I think this morning, everything about it, I was just blown away by this morning. As with, you know, what, what you were singing, is like Jesus, he's the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He's the Prince of Peace. He's everything we need. And we're singing about him and delighting about him and saying, Hallelujah. And that's not just true when we're in a a warm, fuzzy environment of of worship. And I, I don't mean that in a negative way. But you know what? It's difficult when you're on your own in the cold light of day. But the truth hasn't changed. Not for a second. It hasn't changed. Paul, the apostle, talks of this faith. And this love springing up from the fact that we have a hope in heaven that's stored up for us there. A confidence of life and a confidence in life. That I'm loved by God and you know what? You're loved by God and for better or worse, Raj and I are going to share eternity together. Ooh, he says... <laughs> Seriously. I'm dead serious about this. And we, together, are going to share eternity. We're, we're here forever. You know, the hope isn't, oh, I'm, I'm going to leave, move on, I'm going to do another part. Of the no, no. Forever, we are united in Christ. We belong to one another. We share this faith. I'm not, I'm not isolated. I'm not remote. We love one another. We care for one another because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. And it's wonderful. It really is. And I'm gonna share eternity with you too. Amen. Amen. (laughs) I could say now find someone who irritates you and go and tell them you're gonna share eternity with them. Not your husband or wife. Not your husband or wife, no, (laughs) because Well done Raj, excuse me a minute, I just need a drink. (laughs) I won't ask. Why is Paul so thankful? Because the church in Colossae has right foundations. Jesus is right at the center. And you know what? He's equally thankful when he writes his letter to the church in Thessalonica. There's a pattern here. 1 Thessalonians 1, 2 and 3. We always thank God for all of you, mentioning you in our prayers. We continually remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labour prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. He's in prison. He's writing this from prison. Remember that. 2 Thessalonians 1, 3 and 4. We ought always to thank God for you, brothers, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more and the love every one of you has for each other is increasing. Therefore, among God's churches, we boast about your perseverance and faith in all the persecutions and trials you are enduring. Growing in faith produces a love for one another but it also produces perseverance. Do you want to be a fair-weather Christian? Or are you in it for the long term? There's a frightening statistic. Probably mentioned that before, but I'll say it again. It's in a book called Finishing Strong. It's estimated that 10% of leaders who start off well in their 20s and 30s don't make it to 60. As a, as a church leader. Sorry, 10% make it, 90% don't make it. Isn't that scary? How many people do you know who used to run well with God who are no longer running well with God? Do you know a few? God, help us. Too many. I was praying this morning, God, send the prodigals back. God, send the prodigals back. I I want the prodigals back in Jubilee, Lord. There's too many people gone from us who are no longer walking with you. Please send the prodigals back. That's my prayer. My prayer is for them to be full of faith and growing in faith. And my prayer for them is that they enjoy the love we have one for another. You are not to live in isolation as a Christian. God made you to be part of the church. So important. And so we encourage one another on to grow in faith. Sometimes I'll go to people and say, how's your faith, Simon? I'm not saying, yeah, it's all right. I'll tell you what, encouraging one another in their faith is the best thing we can do. It's the first, most important, radical thing we must do. Young people, students, how's your faith? You can get sidetracked by the world with all the glitter and gloss and stuff. You need faith in Jesus and it needs to grow. It needs to grow. You find faith in Jesus and love for one another are Paul's consistent theme, and you know what? I want it to be our consistent theme too. More than anything, I want Jubilee to be known for the fact that we're strong in faith and strong in loving for what, loving one another. Don't much care what else. We're strong in that's kind of an outflow. Strong in faith. Strong in love for one another and have both growing and growing. You see, the church of Jesus Christ is simply the most beautiful thing in the world. Have a look around. Wow. Is that as good as it gets? Yes. This is simply the most beautiful thing on the planet. Because we're ordinary people. Saved by grace. Growing in faith. And loving one another. And the world is desperate. The world is desperate to be satisfied on the inside. And only Jesus can do that. And the world is desperate to be loved. And only the church can do that. Church is glorious. Be thankful for it. So are we growing in faith? The answer to that will affect your view of jubilee, our enjoyment of life, our love for one another, and our perseverance in tough times. Let me finish with this point, the fruit-bearing gospel. In Romans 1:16 and 17, the Apostle Paul says this, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. First for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. The gospel always bears fruit. That's a fact. The gospel always bears fruit. In fact, it's bearing fruit right now all over the world, even today. Hallelujah. Isn't that good? Right now. I mean, right this minute, people are being born again because they've heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's wonderful. And it doesn't just happen in other countries. It happens in the UK, and it even happens in Stockton and Middlesbrough, and it can even happen in your street, in your family, because the gospel is the same gospel. Sadly, I've often found that many Christians are a bit unclear, though, what the gospel is. Let me spell it out. The word gospel is derived from an Anglo-Saxon word, an old one, meaning good message or good news. The gospel simply is the good news of Jesus Christ, and it's this. It's all of grace, but it's this. For God so loved the world that he gave. He didn't do a deal. He didn't organize a contract. He didn't come and persuade. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Wow! For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. The gospel is more than saying that somebody, God loves you. It's nice to know God loves me. So what? I I remember young people, a number of times I've had sort of thugs outside of church buildings, you know, guys on bikes wanting to break windows and all sorts of things. They're looking, well, I don't believe in God. My answer to them is, but he believes in you. And they look at me. I don't know what to say to that. I need to say to you this morning, God believes in you. What's that look like? Well, he believes in you so much that he sent his son out of pure love to die for you. That's how much he believes in you. You might say, well, I'm not sure. Look, I don't, whether, whatever your background Muslim, agnostic, atheist, it doesn't really matter because God believes in you and he sent Jesus for you. That's the gospel. Not complicated, but it's more than God loves you. It's he loves you like this. Oh. It's an active love, not a passive love. It's a transforming love. It's a saving love. We must never separate the gospel from Jesus Christ. It can't be. The good news is all about him. People sometimes like to talk in gooey terms about how much God loves you and you need to know him as Father. Ooh, ooh. You know what? All of that's true. But you'll never know God as Father unless you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. The gospel is about Jesus, and it's always about grace. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God is for you. He's pursuing you. He's after you. And even before you were born, he sent his son to save you. Wow. Does that mean I ought to do something? Well, I would have thought so. You see, if that's true, God was pursuing me before I was even thought of. Well, now I'm here. I better do something about responding to God. The gospel has come to me. The gospel is there for the world. The gospel is reaching out to the ends of the earth. That's Jesus. Wow. Let's not be lukewarm on that, eh? I mean, if I say, How do you feel about Jesus? Yeah, he's all right. Let's not be lukewarm. If we feed the hungry, house the homeless, provide for the poor, we must, be, must always be doing it in his name if we're to call it a work of the gospel. And Jesus said as we do that, we are feeding him, we are housing him, we are providing for him. As I was preparing this, I felt a real provocation in my spirit to make sure that Jubilee Church Teesside is never seen to be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, sometimes they well, you know, you've got to be careful how you phrase things because, well, they'll think you're weird. You know what? I'm fed up playing games like that. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. We don't have to persuade other people and manipulate to get favor. All favor comes from God. We will proclaim Christ and him crucified. The world can do what it likes with that, and Jesus will provide for us. That's the truth. As a local church, here in Teesside, we are first and foremost ambassador of, ambassadors of Christ Jesus, ambassadors of a gospel that is bearing fruit all over the world and will, without any doubt, bear fruit here too. There's no doubt. You sometimes look and think, oh, people are moving away, people are leaving us. Oh, oh, look, people will do what people will do, but listen, the gospel will bear fruit. It will bear fruit in your street. It will bear fruit in your workplace. It will bear fruit because it's the gospel of Christ. But we mustn't be ashamed of it. Now there's ways to communicate in a way that doesn't make people think you're weird. I accept that. But let's not be ashamed of the gospel. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you're building your church. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that your gospel bears fruit. And thank you that your word works. It's the word of God, you see. It says it in the book. It's why I preach it so much. I believe it with all my heart. When I preach the word, lives are changed. And we do all of that in the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord all over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in all its truth. Here at Jubilee, we are part of the glorious church of Jesus Christ that is growing all over the world. Let's be thankful for it and let's commit ourselves to be diligent in our faith and diligent in our love for one another. Before we fill in cards and things, I want to, just want to pray for us. Lord Jesus, you are the King of kings. You're the Lord of lords and your gospel transforms society. Your gospel sets captives free. Your gospel saves to the ends of the earth. Lord Jesus, thank you for your gospel and thank you that your gospel has worked among these people here and we are saved because of it. Lord Jesus, I thank you for that. Lord Jesus, I pray... I pray that your gospel will continue to bear fruit in us and through us in the days ahead and I pray you will cause us to be incredibly fruit-bearing as a church. Not because we're clever, but because your gospel works. Lord Jesus, I pray you will help us grow in our faith. Help us tend to our faith. Help us as a people be diligent in our faith before we pursue other things, before we pursue the other attractions that sometimes church has to offer, Lord, we want to be diligent in our faith. And Lord, we want to be diligent in our love for one another. Those two things are the the measure of church as far as you're, you're, you're concerned and as far as the scripture is concerned. Lord, forgive us where we failed to love. Forgive us where we failed to to pursue you rightly. Forgive us where we have made church a ritual, a routine, or a club we belong to rather than you, central in all our ways. Lord, I pray right now you will reign upon us by your Spirit. I pray you will ignite hearts that have gone a bit cold. Set the fire again, Lord. Set the fire again in every heart. Lord, where it's gone a bit, a bit lost a bit of passion, a bit, bit bit, of edge, Lord, we don't want lukewarmness. We don't want averageness. We want fire. We want rain from heaven. We want to be full of you. But Lord, I pray you will awaken us on the inside. Lord, it's about you. It's about you and me. It's about our relationship with you. Pray you will awaken that. And Lord, as you awaken that, I pray you will join us together closer and closer and closer. Pray you will build us together as a people like we've never been a people. So that we can say we thank God for our faith. And we thank God for our love for one another. And then we say to a lost and dying world, here's the love of God for you. Come and join the people of God. Come and be loved. Lord, I invite you to provoke us, to add to us the people who need to be part of this. Lord, I have this sense of of you sending troops for a battle. And you want to add to us some more brigades. I have have a sense of you doing that and I I pray you will do that in these days. I have a sense of a sorting going on. In the spirit, Lord, I pray you will come upon us. You will add to us the right people and, and only the right people. I pray, Lord, that we will be the people of God that you are building for your glory. Lord, we're hungry to see side transformed. But, Lord, we want it transformed by the gospel. Nothing is impossible for your gospel. And nothing is impossible for the people of God full of faith and an amazing Savior. Thank you, Lord, rest upon us, please. Lord, I pray we'll go home from here burning on the inside. I pray as we share food, whatever we do, I, I write this out. I just pray you will just not let this leave us. Please let not this. We don't want it to go away. We don't want to kind of. I just pray it will grow. You will fan it into flame, become more and more ignited. Please, Lord. Please, Lord. Unless. He builds the church; we labour in vain. Build it here, Lord. Build it here for Your glory and for Your honour. Amen. I wonder if you'd like to take your cards and, and fill inside B, please. Um, Andy's going to come and lead us in a song. We're going to take up the offering.